When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got my pistols in my pocket, boys, I'm, I'm Alabama bound. Your time right, I got the blues. Put my head down to my shoes. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go to find your favorite genre of music podcast. With me always is Jason. What's going on? What is up? Hey, I'm actually here this time. And Brian, let me just compliment you. You did a great job covering for me on the last episode Thank when you. I was a last minute unavailable to record. So good work. Yeah, I tried. I tried to come up with the scenarios why you wouldn't be here. So you tricked me, by the way, because <laughs> you said with with me always is Jason. And I'm like, said, I don't think I'm on. What's going on? Yeah. Jason, Jason. <laughs> it was, you know, and we had just talked to Tony so that I kind of had to spin that, you know. Yeah, you had Let's to tie it back in, in there. Yeah, I think that's good. I like the continuity, but uh, uh, doing doing fine, man, doing fine. You've got some big news. I, I see you've been showing me that you're moving to a new yeah, place. Yeah, and... we are moving to a bigger place, and for the first time ever, like most guys would have like a man cave, which is cool. I'm going to have a music room. As you should. Music room within the basement, and I want to do – I want to try and do like – you know, that room will be like the podcast studio, music room, guitars are in their bases in there and everything. But the rest of the basement, I would like, I want to try and do a like, uh, you know, rock and roll history sort of thing where, you know, like, and I want to get like nice, you know, photos inside, like, yeah. you know, cases or whatever, nice frames, whatever, and start like with the blues, and then go into the 50s with, you know, Bill Haley and the comments or whoever, Buddy Holly oh, and, and into cool. the 60s, 70s. It really kind of a classy motif, and maybe go to uh, comb the thrift stores and find like some uh, like a vintage radio or something or an older record player just to, as like decorations. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love it. You yeah, absolutely do that. Yeah, that, that's I think that I'm going to aim for that goal. Um, so you saw one of our favorite bands again this week. Yeah, and it actually ties to the guest uh, this episode, but um, L.A. Guns, they came to the Cincinnati area. My friend Brian and I, actually drums in, in the band with me, um, went down and saw them, dude. And like I tell you, you, you saw L.A. Guns not too long ago. Yeah. They're just, they're having a lot of fun on stage and, and it carries over to the crowd. They sound good. 
it's just it's just you know it's like the hostess pies of, of it's fun to eat and listen to and just you know what i mean it's a good time it, and it seems to me like they've got a, a solid lineup now and of course you know with you know johnny martin and ace have been there for a while but now sean duncan he just seems like he's like the guy now he yeah it, you know and i got to meet sean which was cool sean and ace were hanging out at merch before and after the show and I actually brought Sean a shirt and he appreciate so he can help promote the podcast. And we started talking metal and he was in like Odin. He, uh -huh. he was in actually yep. the decline of metal civilization, decline of civilization part two, the metal. Really cool. So like he's got to come on our podcast when sure. he gets a break to talk to us. I think we're going to collect LA guns drummers, right? We have Adam <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. Scott, like we're just going to collect drummers from LA guns. There you but, go. Uh, just cool dude really cool easy to get along with he would do great talking to us what i want to say about them you know other than they play great and they're having fun is ace and sean sat there for like an hour and a half before the show and i don't know how long after the show because we left and interacted with the fans took pictures signed stuff they didn't have to do that right they just did it you know yeah yeah no that was awesome and you know i got to talk to ace for a little bit too when they were here when he was selling his merch so yeah, no, absolutely. The, you know, that's just such a great sign of artists that'll take all the time in the world to talk to people that are into them and their music. Yeah, I mean, just just great dudes and a great band. And it's so nice to see a band that became prominent when you and I were younger. I I, I don't I think they're better than they have ever been at any point in their their time in history, at least the playing, you know. I think so. And once again, what's so interesting about them, they're kind of I guess somewhat of a legacy band. They, they've got some songs that would, I guess, almost be considered classic rock at this point, but then they're a new band as well. And that's yeah. very unique. I think it's really, really, really unique. Yeah, I'm for sure. Uh, they're coming back. They're coming to Columbus in a march with KK Downing's Priest. KK's Priest, yeah. Okay. KK's Priest. So I'm going to, I think I'm, I'm going to go to that just to see LA Guns. I don't know about sure. KK's Priest, right. but, you know, say hi to our new friends and just, yeah. You stand there for an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half an hour with your smile on your face and you just, it's a good time, you know, start to finish. Yeah. And so anyway, that ties into our guest, our returning guest. Absolutely. So we have Adam Hamilton coming back on you guys, uh, you know, listen to him over the summer. He drums on the studio stuff for LA guns. He helps produce and write their music and works with a whole slew of other guests. And Brian, you know, you and I, this is one of those guys that we just had a good conversation with had some time he was available and we're like let's just let's just talk about whatever yeah and it's like our, we've talked about that before having like you know uh you know episodes every so often that there's nothing really to push or promote or no topic it's just checking in with whoever it might be yeah it's, it's fun you know we end up because of me sorry everybody but we started talking about new wave music and how i've been listening to that and adam wasn't you know we talked new wave stuff and it was you know it was it was a lot of fun yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Uh, so you guys kick back and relax and listen to our conversation with Adam Hamilton. We're here at the guest segment on the podcast. Jason, I hand it over to you to introduce the guests. 
And we are happy to have back one of our new friends we had on last year. The guy is involved in so many different cool projects. That's why we wanted to get him back on and see what's going on. And Brian, let me give you credit. I think I don't think you meant to do this, but when you sent us the Zoom invite, you called it Checking In with Adam Hamilton. And it kind of rhymes, so I'm going to go with it. So today, we're checking in with Adam Hamilton. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Brian, Thanks. did you mean to do that? Because it just, it sound, it just rolls I off didn't. the tongue. I didn't. No, I just always try to like maybe be kind of clever, and I guess I pulled it off this time. Adam, that? we're gonna have to have a regular regular uh, episode with you called that. Yeah, man, I'm into it. I'm in. So, what is going on with you? How was how are your holidays? How was the New Year? Oh, it was good. We were all sick. We all got a, got some kind of bug that was going around, so it forced Perfect. us to just lay on the couch and chill. And my little girl is like, go 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 all the time, all the time, and. My wife and I are like, let me lay here and rest, <laughs> and it just doesn't happen. So we were for we were forced into submission. She had to watch Netflix all day long, and we were just like, ah, this is the best. So yeah, it was it was a beautiful, quiet, uh, mellow one. How about you, Brian? I'll let you go. Ah, uh, good, good. My wife and I just went over to her mom and stepdad's and had a meal and hung out. Awesome. We were we were busy. So both my kids are in college. Luckily, they both go to Ohio State. So they're in the same state. They're not that far away. They were home. And then we were just busy, guys. Like I had some from some friends in from out of state and one of them stayed with me for a night. And then we went back to our hometown south of Dayton, kind of between Dayton and Cincinnati for a day. Get people. We had parties. We had birthday parties. I was exhausted from the holidays. I bet. It's just too much. I like to sit and like have some downtime yeah doing nothing is my favorite thing i you'll never ever hear me say i'm bored i i'm just like to do nothing is like heaven just to chill well for you adam how old's your daughter she's 13 13 so what, what is, in two weeks okay yeah so what what is your daughter what do you guys like to watch on netflix together at that age oh uh, you know i make her watch the lemmy doc and stuff like that that she hates but you know every <laughs> once in a while we'll, we'll watch a taylor swift concert and stuff that she likes we, it's tough to find common ground, I will say, you know. You don't throw on one of those, like, Adam Sandler movies or stuff that he's throwing on there that's sort of family-friendly? You know, that's actually a good a good suggestion. We watch tons of Christmas stuff together. But then again, she's so sick of watching, like, Scroo the musical Scrooge and Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas. From oh, yeah. Disney stuff. Hell, yeah. Oh, and then you watch Home Alone and all that stuff. You know, she's like, Dad, I'm too old to watch this. I'm like, listen, it's Christmas and you're, host you're, you're my hostage. So what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know either one of us was probably going to ask this. So I'm going to ask it first. And then, So what uh, what do you think of the new Black Crow single? Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't even heard it. But, okay. man, you know, I, I, I don't know. Those those guys bum me out to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I uh, and I and I have uh, my favorite Black uh, Black Crow's album is actually one of Black Crow's fans' least album. Lions is my favorite. Um, and we got to open my old band before I was in LA Guns. We got to open for the Black Crow's on that tour for one show oh, in Nashville. We played a festival, and I always liked the Black Crow's a lot. I thought they were one of the greatest american rock and roll bands i just love loved what they do but that album in particular did something for me that the other ones didn't do um i liked it from top to bottom i loved the sound of it it wasn't a typical black crows album i don't know what it was about it but it just turned me on and uh 
I just dug it. And, and that we got to open for, I got to sit right on the side of the stage, like 10 feet from, from Rich and from Chris watching them do the thing. And, and I literally had one of those aha moments where I'm like, this guy is, is if he could continues and doesn't, you know, blow it, he's going to go down in history as like as, as great a frontman at Jagger or, or uh, Rod Stewart or all the greats. He's just, uh, they're just amazing. But I, I hate how, uh, they've destroyed the band, you know, and run off all the, the magic and the Mark Cords yep. and the Steve Gorman's. I read Steve Gorman's book and mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't know. I just couldn't believe I, if anything, if any part of that is true, how he handled that Jimmy Page situation. I, oh I mean, my God. I mean, he, he needs a smack in the head. Uh, what a, what a, I don't even know what, what it is. What's wrong with, with those guys. But my buddy Muddy, who got me the gig with, with, uh, up the muddy under the bus. Muddy told me lots of stories about playing with Chris, and he's just like he just says, you know, man, he's just some people are just all wrapped up in themselves, and then you know, uh, I don't know, it is what it is, and I just that's what bums me out is the older I get and the longer I stick around and see, up, hey, you guys, knock it off. Sorry, my dogs are playing really loud. <laughs> we are pet friendly. If okay. you don't hear a dog bark or a cat it, run across the computer at them, like then. It sounds like a pit bull fight over there, but they're just labs that love to wrestle up. But I just it just bums me out how how these mm -hmm. bands, you know, what they end up becoming and and the way the egos and their selfishness ruin things and the greed ruins things. And I I try not to be a pessimist, but I'm I'm taunt my wife's like you're turning into an old curmudgeon the older you get, <laughs> and I try not to, man. But it just bums me out, you know. So I, in a, lot, lot, a roundabout way, I haven't heard it yet. I got to listen to it. It's it, it's probably great, you know. It's all but right. Like, and they call it the Black Crows, and it's like, it's the Brothers Robinson. Call it that. Yeah. But yes. I get it. It's all about money, and you're going to get more money, and they feel like, well, it's their marketing band. the name. We yeah. can call it what we want, and I get all that. But it's all bullshit, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm a curmudgeon about it all. <laughs> The uh, studio drummer, I say, it sounds like a, a metronome with no human feel. Same, it's the same with the timekeeping metronome with, the with no feel. Stones album, it's like, man, it sounds like you you grid you grid you pro tools then gridded the drums. It doesn't have that Charlie Watts feel. It doesn't even sound like Pete Richards played on it. I don't know, man. I just I'm glad that those guys are continuing making music because I would never disparage anyone because of age to not do it. Uh, you know, the greatest bluesmen made the greatest music when they were, you know, they're oldest usually. Um, but it just, I don't know, man, music bums me out. And, and uh, I, I, sadly, I find more inspiration watching films and stuff. I just watch Oppenheimer and watch <laughs> Maestro and I get off more on watching great films now than I do listening to music. And part of that is probably, sadly, is probably because of music has become my job yeah. that, you know, uh, I have to kind of subconsciously and consciously tune it off some sometimes, you know, and, and I'm at that age where like, yeah, I'm like the old guy, get off my lawn. I'm, I'm you know, I, <laughs> I respect like that. that because that's where I'm going. I hate, I hate all this new music. And, and if I said I hated Taylor Swift in my house, I would probably be crucified <laughs> by all the girls here, but it's, 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 it's all so, and it's just, it's not music. It's culture in general. This yeah. we, we just jumped the shark, and it's all become about greed, and and it's 
it's a mess, man. And it's hard to, to stay inspired and find stuff that inspire you. But I, I, I find that more in, in films these days and or reading books. I'm reading uh, uh, that Danny Goldberg book uh, that's a couple of years old about him. Oh, and uh, Miles Davis, a lot of music industry books I, I get into, like film talking about how, how they, you know, he managed the police and how Danny Goldberg managed uh, Nirvana. I mean, I'm not like the hugest Nirvana fan. I love their second yeah. record. And I, I, I was in awe of, of their talent uh, and how it wiped the face of, of music and changed, turned the page of this whole scene. They ushered that in. But, I, but I, I just love the nuts and bolts of behind the scenes and learning about the nitty gritty of all that. That's, that's kind of what I enjoy nowadays, you know, when I'm not working. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I I'm reading Belinda Carlisle's autobiography right now. I'm a big Go Go's and Belinda Carlisle. Oh fan. yeah, Go Go's. Yeah, it's a very very interesting book. She she and the Go Go's lived a pretty hard life. Did you see you seen the the documentary right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the best uh, best docs out there. So good. And those girls are real sweet too, man. I I met um, uh, Kathy and we did this thing where we were in this music panel together, and she was a sweetheart. And I chatted with Jane online a few times, and just they're just awesome, awesome gals. Kathy's band, the Blue Bonnets, which is like this rock blues act, oh, is amazing. phenomenal. Amazing. So t- they they all have so much talent, man. They're rad. I saw them last summer, summer twenty two. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland with Jane yeah. Brian with Jane Lee Hooker opening mm-hmm. for him. Oh, amazing, amazing, man. super good. I had no idea Kathy was that good at guitar. And I guess she was primarily a guitarist. Yeah, took got the job with the Go Go's to play bass because they needed somebody to replace the bass. And and then when Jane Wyland left, she went and played guitar again. Yep, absolutely. Went back to her playing the strat. That's right. absolutely right. And just just killer. But I'm with you, Adam. I really do enjoy reading some books. And right now, I'm really stuck on music related books like the one i have backing up right now after this one's called mad world it's all about the um new wave 80s new wave oh yeah music, and like the influence yeah. on the scene too and i've kind of gotten into 80s new wave music at 
my age, almost 50, not really when it was in the prime in the 80s. Oh, that's cool, man. That was one of my favorite scenes in music because I was just old enough to where the MTV came on and the Buggles were on and Gary Newman. I actually remember Gary Newman cars, the video for that before MTV. They would show it on that night flight show when I was yeah. a kid. And uh, they showed the same 12 videos um, over and over again, all, all during a year. But yeah, that's it's still to this day. 80s new wave stuff is my favorite because the police were one of my favorite bands and to make an 80s new wave like playlist half of it is the police anyway you know and <laughs> you've got five or six go-go songs and then scandal and then you've got you know i mean i made the most killer 80s playlist i'll have to send you a copy of it uh yes. I, my i music the other day uh the tubes and I'll, I'll send you a copy of it but it's so good i mean it's just like three and a half hours of of the best and some real good underground stuff and uh yeah man that's the best that's that that's the best and i wasn't sure how that kind of music was going to age with time but it is shown to be timeless and uh unlike some of the other 80s music that that came later in the decade that did not quite age so well which is interesting to think about but i think it all has to do with quality of the song and the sincerity of the artist that makes it um Whereas a lot of some of the later, the 80s stuff, it was people just kind of like, and 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 the fault of, of the labels chasing every band that was great, that had success to then sign the third and fourth string versions of those bands, you know, that, that didn't really sound quite as sincere and production got kind of weird and not really timeless sounding. But man, that, that, that first wave of new wave is just, oh man. That post-punk new wave stuff is just, it's I, its becoming my favorite again. And I, it's interesting that you're discovering it too. Now, later in life, uh, it just goes to show you how timeless it is. Brian, did you ever like any of the new wave stuff? Because, you know, you, you and I are about the same age. Um, Depends on what you call new wave. I mean, it's, that's a very broad category, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, man. Like what I what I consider new wave. Let's see. Let me go down my my little list right here. Like Duran uh, Duran Thompson twins were considered. I mean, new, Jake Isles band, Freeze Frame, and and all and Centerfold. That was new wave to me because it came out right then. Uh, Scandal, the Tubes, the Cars, mm -hmm. uh, the Motels. I mean, even Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They were considered new wave, even though they weren't new wave. Um, when they first came out with Elvis Costello and the Go-Go's and Gary Newman and uh, the police. Let's see who else in here. The uh, Divinals, the Divinals were considered new wave. They were a little later. They were, they, I don't think they really were in that, that, you know, my Sharona and the, and Adam and the ants and missing persons and um, Romeo void, the Plymouth, oh, there you go. Yeah. Berlin, uh, Billy Idol, that, that, you know the Thompson twins. That that's kind of what I kind of consider. Uh, that's what I kind of consider well, new wave. Did I, there, did I lose you guys? I can't see. Oh, there you are. There's that's the, kind of what I consider. But there was that time, like right before the glam metal thing took off in L.A. Before you know the rest of the country was aware of it. Where, where I always remember, like the Yamaha DX7 was like the popular oh, yeah. keyboard at the time. Oh yeah. So I mean, just stuff like you know, uh, Tears for Fears. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I, I can remember all those songs, you know, just might pop in my head for no reason. But I yeah. mean, that's what at that time, the only, you know, musical, uh, you know, source was FM radio. So that's what's playing. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I knew it was because when we got when we had cable, we got 
MTV and they were just, just sh shuffling it to you. You know, every other video, you know, they had a, that that's where I got exposed to all that. But yeah, most, my, most of the songs in town, in town, the station that I was grew up listening to, they weren't playing that they were playing the Eagles and Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. You know, classic rock radio, yeah, I guess. Classic rock radio in the seventies. In the yeah. And eighties. I, I know like Duran Duran and even oh, yeah. Tears for Fears are even making it like Duran Duran's in those amphitheaters in the summertime now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're playing, they're playing 20,000 seat places night after night after night, you know, crazy. And does that go back, Adam, to what some of the stuff you're saying though, is like, if you have good songs are kind of timeless and they're always going to have. Absolutely. Popularity. Absolutely. I mean, all the, you know, the Wrecking Crew documentary where Carol. That's a great Kay, one. Great one. Oh, yeah, man. A must see. I uh, sent my dad a book about the Wrecking Crew for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is probably one of my other favorite eras of music. Um, but Carol Kay and them, they were, you know, they were essentially jazz musicians who got pulled in making this bubblegum pop stuff. But because those songs were so good, you know, they were laughing and Carol Kay would be like, imagine them saying, oh, baby, they're playing our song in like 30 or 40 years from this bubblegum pop stuff. Because they were like sophisticated jazz musicians playing this easy. They called it chunka chunka stuff where they would be, you know, the 60s pop. But because those songs were so good. Yeah, they are playing our song today. Those are our favorite songs. You listen to KRF 101 and just they're just timeless you know they were making timeless music and they just had no idea but i think if a song is great it's going to outlive us all you know whenever we and at the end of episodes when we have the lightning round sometimes we'll ask him or jason will ask him between two things shoes whatever and it came to me later on i always want to ask someone uh the wrecking crew or the swampers Oh, equally both, both, both equally. I mean, one was more pop and one was more swanky and, and, you know, country blues, Southern fried, but I, I just, they're just equally, equally great. I mean, I couldn't pick one. It's like saying, what's your, you know, apples or oranges? Like, they're just both great. You just have to pick mm -hmm. up a flavor you like, you, you like better. All right. I'm going to throw another one of these out to you brian you just made me think of something so between two backing bands who do you like better not who's better who do you like better um the band or toto the band as in robbie robertson yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. well that's a tough one because they're such they're they're i love toto and i think they have an incredible catalog of music um but robbie robertson and the band were levon so, helm i mean all those guys yeah those guys were were that those guys were uh I, I don't even think I have the words to describe how important they were to the you know to music. Um I've become friends with with Robbie's son, Sebastian Robertson, who is an incredibly talented musician and composer himself. And um and great doc on Robbie Robertson it was on Hulu oh, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean I don't I, I think they're both incredible uh and and you know I certainly grew up on more of Toto's music being the age yeah. I was. And I, and it took me, I never knew who the band was until, you know, I was an adult and went and went and uh, had that aha moment of Bob, of Bob Dylan and the, and the band and Levon Helm. And, and, and you know, who turned me on to it was Adam from the Counting Crows. He was just like, a, you know, writing songs about Richard Manuel and just a huge Bob Dylan band fan, band fan. Um, and I think, 
I, I, the kind of light bulb went off when I saw it was so important to him. And I'm like, all right, I got to do my homework. But they're both hugely important and, and incredible bands. Absolutely. I'd have a hard time picking one of the other. <laughs> Brian, I'll tell you how I got into the band a lot through the Black Rose. You know, we started yeah. out with Black Rose, but uh, the freaking roll into the fog and they covered um, the night they drove old Dixie down. And of course, I knew songs like The Weight and some of the big, but that really made me drive into the catalog of the band and realize how outstanding they were. I read books about them and just what an there are very few bands that are so talented. They can back up one of the greatest songwriters in the history, Bob Dylan, and then go out on their own and still make a name on their own playing shows. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then have one of the greatest concert films of all time. That's always known to be played around Thanksgiving. Yeah, man. And, uh, you, you can't you can't not get inspired watching that and all their guests and how it's shot and Martin Scorsese's man they made magic with it and see which ones were doing coke before they went out on the stage <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> hey man it's like they say man back in the day everybody was doing it doctors lawyers musicians they they didn't think it was addictive they didn't think it was bad for you they were like this stuff's great you know I'm a uh... Um, my wife and I are watching, speaking of Netflix, we're watching Peaky Blinders. We started watching it over the holidays and we're going through it. And like everybody does pretty much does coke in that too. You're talking, that made me just think of that show. I'm like, yeah, pregnant women, business guys, politicians, criminals, they're all doing it. Yeah, come on. It was <laughs> what they did back then. Didn't know any better. I guess. And they drink and they smoke, you know, it's like nonstop. I'm like, Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I heard uh, Billy Gibbons say in an interview is like when they're asking him about the eighties and, you know, kind of going off on, you know, the, the music they were doing then and sharp dress man and, you know, eliminator and afterburner. And it was like, well, what was going on? A lot of white lines. Yeah, <laughs> so it man. seemed to affect the, the clothes and the music. Well, of course. And, and to be quite honest, you know, Billy Gibbons is such a, uh, open guy to lit to different music he was literally getting inspired by a lot of that 80s um new wave music and and synth driven bands that's why they're synthesizers mm -hmm. on legs and stuff like that on that album because they literally were listening to depeche mode going hey man that's cool i like how they're doing that that synthesizer going dig it dig it dig it dig it dig it's driving the song along let's put that in zz top who would ever think to do that somebody right. that's open enough to go wow okay i don't i don't have to just be a blues man stomping on the floor and i that i can be open to other things and be inspired by things that i wouldn't think i would normally be inspired by you know that's pretty cool i thought that that was one of the uh that was definitely an aha moment for me too to go oh interesting very interesting adam you know going back to new wave stuff you just helped did you produce or did you do the engineering of a new wave legend band that had their first record out in forever? Yeah, me and Dale wrote that. One of the songs we co-wrote with her guitar player. But uh, yeah, it was going to be a few new original songs and some covers kind of like was about all we thought we could pull off. And then we started writing and it started turning out really good. And we, I, I've been working with, with Dale for years and um, I was always really hesitant though to 
to to because I was such a huge new. I, I mean, Terry Bozio was one of my favorite drummers, and missing. We're talking about missing persons, of missing course. Missing persons, yeah, and missing persons was one of my favorite bands. And so when I got a chance to start working with them, I always respected that classic missing person sound and never wanted to anywhere go near it. That that's part of the reason why um, the records I did with her prior to this one don't sound anything like classic missing persons, but that's also a blessing and a curse because people that like missing persons want to hear that classic missing person sound. Mm -hmm. But when you try to do that, you run the risk of people who've gone, well, it just sounds like a bad facsimile of missing person sound, you know, without Terry Bozio. And well, of course you're never going to get a, a, a record that sounds like Terry Bozio and them in their twenties again, because it's just not going to happen. Right. But we took a, we took a leap of faith and, because I love that sound and vibe so much, um, uh, we, I said, look, I can, I can do a pretty fair representation of that sound. I know what I'm doing and, you know, I'm no Terry Bozio, but I think we can pull off something great and I think we can write some good songs. And we ended up doing it. It was a lot of work. It was the hardest record I've ever worked on. Um, you know, it kind of felt like we were pulling teeth at times and watching paint dry to try to get him inspired actually got COVID during that time, which was the first time in three years I'd ever had it. So it was, it was a, a harrowing uh, experience, but we finally did and we made a great record and people actually agreed with it. And I was like, you know what? I just was afraid. I was kind of letting my fear, you know, run the, run, uh, run the show and not just saying, Hey man, you know, look, make a missing person's record that fans that love that, that typical sound will go, Hey, yeah. I mean, this sounds kind of like where they picked up. Um, yeah. Obviously, with all due respect to the band and that sound, you know, the band's not around and they're not in the band. It's just her. So I was kind of doing my best to keep it close to that, uh, honor that sound and vibe without, you know, sounding like we're trying to use it as, as uh, a template, you know. I, I really liked it. I th Hopefully I sent you a note because I listened to it and I really enjoyed yes, it. Yes, you did. You okay. did. I, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we I feel like I feel like we we got a mission accomplished with that. I mean, I feel like people that that were still interested in the band would would dig it. And and the most important thing was we ended up loving it and we ended up thinking we did great work and wrote some lyrics that some music and lyrics that I thought were really great. And we had a story to follow and a whole a whole uh, it became like a. Uh, it's kind of hard when you're going in, you're just writing songs, but when you've got like something inspiring the whole thing and a, and a, and a, uh, a mission statement, which we kind of had, it ended up turning out really good. So I was very pleased with that. Did they have, did she have any songs ready to go when she showed up or were you just sheltering them through the whole process beginning to end? No, she didn't. But what she does have is she has like 40 years of lyric poems, lyrical ideas, she's just always painting and writing and creating. And, and so I literally got to go through her book, which she's got and just look through and go, Ooh, great line. Okay. Okay. Great title. Let's, let's put this on our title page. And then I'd be like, this is a great line. So whenever we would get stumped and I also, she also inspired me to start writing. And so in like January, I just started literally, I would keep my laptop there and just write lines that I would hear. Oh, that's a great line or think up a cool line or a cool title. And I just started writing lyrics. So we, we had a good database to pull from, but, but I just literally started laying down song ideas and, and filling in the blanks and, and 
uh, we just kind of, that's how we did it, you know? And, and you guys did a good job again. It's a, a very, it sounds like missing persons, but it's very modern. And that's, that's a hard, hard thing to catch because they were like a two keyboard band. Like they were very, like, I know it's new wave, but like art Rocky. Yeah. They were so much more than just new wave. I mean, they were Zap, Zappa's backup band essentially. So no shit. I didn't know that. Brian, did you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh man. That, of great that's, backup bands. That's the thing that, that most people don't realize about missing persons is the reason those guys were so talented was Terry Bozio was Zappa's drummer for years. That whole band came from Zappa's camp. He put missing persons together after he decided he was going to change musical directions and put a new band mm-hmm. together. He literally had him in his studio and he goes, okay, you and you and you and you are going to be in a band and Dale, you're going to sing for them and you're going to call yourself the beautiful people or something or the cute persons or something. And they, they thought about that and they're like, well, could we call it missing persons? And he's like, great, call it whatever you want. Here's my studio. And he literally put them together. He was the one that made it happen and inspired the whole thing. And I didn't realize that till later in life. Uh, but how entrenched in the Zappa camp those guys were, but they've got, you know, Frank Zappa put it all together and to be able to uh, be a musician, to be talented enough to play with Frank Zappa, you're the best of the best. There's no Zappa never had any, anybody, anything below a genius musician playing with him, you know, going back to books, my dad, we, we trade music books back and forth. Hence me sending him the one on the, the wrecking crew. And then he lent me his, biography or autobiography of uh of zappa so i wonder i wonder if he's going to go into that during that book so now really i'm kind of intrigued to read it yep yep if you do a deep dive on on like terry bozio and dale bozio and zappa and all that on in on uh youtube you'll find some great stuff i mean you know they were all they they always stayed in the zappa family uh the extended family and would do certain they pop up at certain concerts and play with zappa's band and uh, but yeah, that 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 was a whole nother rabbit hole of fascination when I found out that. And uh, you want to read a good bio, read Dale's that she just wrote. Um, she talks about she had an act. She actually was almost killed by the Hillside Strangler in L.A. when that what? was happening. And it was when she was hanging out with the Zappa family and she escaped, barely escaped with her life fell out of a second floor holiday inn window trying to get away from the killer who was trying to strangle her and fell and almost fell to her death and cracked her skull on the, on the cement downtown. And then the Zappa family, once she got out of the hospital, they took care of her and nursed her back to health. And she went on tour with the Zappa band in Europe. And she's literally like being nursed back to health with bandages and everything. Uh, but you, crazy, crazy stories. But yeah, they were like part of the Zappa family. It's wild. Wow. I, I now I need to read this. That's horrifying. You got to get her book, man. You She, she has a life and, a, and a, she's got a, a mil, the memory of an elephant. She can remember dates, times, places, concerts, things that happened even after that traumatic, horrible event. But when she her book is absolutely fascinating. It's un, it's incredible, man. The stories that you can't even make up that well you just made me put my glasses on so i could see my phone to the yeah punch this thing in to see if i can find it it's incredible you can get it on cleopatra's website i believe if you if you have a hard time finding it i just had to make a note so i didn't forget you got got a lot of stuff you're you're throwing a lot of knowledge at us (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Full of useless information, as my wife says. Another big, fresh topic. Uh, what's your opinion on the Kiss Avatar thing? Next topic. <laughs> right? <laughs> Good. Dude, I, I, I worked for Kiss for about six months because I was in a band with Tommy Thayer in 90, uh, 95. What band was that? Uh, it was called Number Nine. And okay. it was... It was uh, Tommy Thayer on guitar and a bunch of other guys, but Tommy was working for Kiss. That right. was his big job. Yeah, Tommy would hire me to go like, hey, let's go do Paul Stanley's windows today. Let's go inventory the Kiss warehouse. And being a Kiss fan as a kid, I was like, this was a dream come true. I'm getting to get 150 bucks for the day to go help him. And I'm going to try on Ace's boots from 76, you know? <laughs> but the one thing that I learned is they... Uh, it just money run the shit ran the show and they were so cheap and doing all these terrible things for money that I was just like, Oh really? And I got to see behind the curtain and it but just do they up. need money. You know what I mean? Haven't they no. made enough like no. generations? It is never enough. It is never enough. That's, that's Gene Simmons. It, it, he's always trying to fill the hole. It's never enough. More, more women, more money, more of this. And he's just looking in the wrong places. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need. I want to bring Gene to the spiritual side and say, Gene, it'll never be enough. Come on, but you know they're always going to try to make a buck, and you know, it's just it's sad. It's Tom, sad. Tommy Thayer obviously probably wouldn't complain, but I liked the first two Black and Blue records, and then when Gene oh, started Tommy's, producing, it's like Tommy is such a talented, hardworking guy. I was so glad to see him get in the band. He certainly deserved. Uh, he put in the certainly put in the, the time and effort you know he's just tommy's a great guy super we, uh, talented. we had jamie st james on that was a lot of fun talking to him. oh yeah same too. the saint's the best man the saint when i was first moved to hollywood the saint would come over and get me and they're like come on kid we're going out and we would just go out and be <laughs> just seems like he, we just had a real fun conversation he just seems like just a good happy dude He's a, he's a sweetheart, man. The Saint's the best, man. The Saint's mar uh when he got married to his first wife, uh at I went to the wedding and at the reception was where I met a guy who got me into doing music for TV and film. So the Saint, I I owe my day job to. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason that all that happened through that through him just being it being invited to his uh thing and sitting by getting sit by this guy at the being at the right place at the right time you know all right i'll segue from that kind of similar topic but because someone had said some you know unkind things about tommy <laughs> and yeah. uh did you see the latest performance of ace uh detroit rock city no i haven't you know i <laughs> Good, I, I knew <laughs> i knew that uh yeah you know kiss fans are are uh, they're they are um, very serious, and you know when you put somebody, I I, I cringed for and with uh, you know Eric and and Tommy when they put them in that makeup, you know, and I guess yeah. it was inevitable, and it is what it is, but I don't know, man, you know it it was just boy that put put a big target on you. You would have to have a very thick skin, which I don't have to be able to uh, get out there and, and do it and take that kind of criticism, you know? I think the correlations too, with the black crows, as we kind of go back to that is those, I think it, it's Paul and Gene are like Rich and Chris. Once you're out of the band, it's sort of, you're out and his, there's no history. Like you're, you know, it's, there's no going back and appreciating those times. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I think uh, I see the, 
I see the correlation there. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It is well, kind of a shame. But, you know, I get it. I mean, listen, you know, Peter Chris was was my drum hero when I was a kid. I was the biggest Kiss fan. I was I was obsessed as a kid. Um, and I still look back at Peter's drumming and the way he had that big, big band swing and his stuff. And I go, he was an incredible drummer. The guy's not not able to do it now, you know, uh, and neither is Ace. And so why would I want mm. those guys out there mucking up the show? Yeah. I, either I either someone his ace is tech handed him the wrong guitar or he didn't notice it's just like yeah painfully yeah. out of tune looked like yeah. he was playing the wrong key and then yeah. his other guitar player came over and showed him where his fingers were on I the neck yeah, yeah i saw that yeah man that's just a mess you know it's just like my buddy craig bradford i used to be in a band with he he's like it's like watching a a, a ball player that's just past his prime and he's just still playing and he's just still yeah to watch and you're just like oh man i i get it you don't want to you don't want to give it up. I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, uh, but it's just sad. It's sad for us to watch, you know? Yeah. You know, and I was on the, the Aerosmith Crows tour. And we're going back to the Crows lot. Brian, you started, I blame you. <laughs> I did. Uh, Aerosmith was the first real concert I saw as a kid in 87 with Guns N' Roses opening oh, for it. Amazing. And I loved Aerosmith. And when they did this, you know, they're go they started that, farewell tour or whatever i'm like i don't know if my last memories of aerosmith want to be this version i know some of the players are still playing really well but like i don't think i want that to be the last thing i think about when i think about aerosmith i hear you i completely hear you i'm the same way with a lot i, I don't go to a lot of shows unfortunately just because a lot of that same reason you know well, and all of us, the three of us here are at age two. It's just like you talked about baseball players or, or sports stars. You know, they age out, they're gone. We're, you know, bands, but bands, you can play a little longer. You can act a little longer. But we're at the point, too, where the people are dying off or they, quote, unquote, lose their fastball from their singing or playing. Oh, that's a gorgeous dog. Thank you. What's, what's her name? This is Tiffany. She's a two-year-old. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful beautiful dog look at that thank you she's she's like let's go play let's go do <laughs> licking at you in the face you know we, we can we can interview her <laughs> she loves her dad it's obvious go play go play, go play. Uh, we were interviewing kevin martin the singer candle box a couple years ago and one of my dogs just started going ape shit and i was like oh my god he's like i had yeah then then brian and i are like over it we don't care anymore if animals make noises yep yep Although, Brian, your dog's been very quiet. She usually sleeps during this. She's just right over there. She's got used to it now. A lot of times you'll quiet. notice towards the end, like I'm over here because she's like, pet me, pet me, pet me. <laughs> getting, getting a little antsy. Sometimes I have a cat run across my computer, too. Like, it's just. It's a madhouse. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What are you going to do if you don't have pets? You know, I don't know. I wasn't a I wasn't a real dog person because I had allergies till I met my wife. And then she's like, listen, the dog comes with it or, you know, we can't be together. And so I think just living with a dog made me become like 
more immune to them. So they didn't bother me as bad. I still take allergy medicine, but it's totally doable. And then I fell in love with dogs. I became the dog person. And now I love dogs more than she does. And so it's just like, I cannot <laughs> imagine. What would I do in my life? My life would be so boring without them. It's so true. Yeah. And I know we're upbeat here and everything, but uh, like, have you, have you talked to Ace? How's he doing? Uh, I checked in with him the other day. He's doing okay, man. Yeah. It's hard. You know, he's, he's just, you know, I think they're, they're getting, they're getting busy. LA guns is doing a bunch of dates. So that's good. That'll keep him keep him busy. And he's always going to help dogs and rescue dogs. And that's the thing about it is we always rescue dogs and sometimes they're older dogs and we're like, no more puppies, man. Let's just give them good homes and yeah. Let them live out the, on them for the time years. we have and know that there's just so many out there. That's the thing that's got to override the, the sadness is that there's so many that need a good, a good home. And we have so many avenues out here to get, uh, to rescue dogs that you just got to get over it and get another one and, and get on with life and get busy, you know, mm -hmm. keep, keep that, keep that uh, motion happening, you know? Yeah. Brian, these rock guys these days are all, are good people. No, there's no partying and doing bad. You're rescuing animals. Tony Higby, who plays with Kiefer and brother Kane does animal rescue. He's friends with Ace, you know, all you guys. I mean, it's a good thing to see you guys are out there, you know, animal advocacy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. No more of those crazy documentaries, you know, no, no more Vince Neal driving down Sunset Strip and a limousine and a, yeah, a hot those, tub. Everybody's rescuing animals. Those were the days, man. Now it's a bunch <laughs> of new things. <laughs> um, speaking of new things, you were involved in two of my favorite albums last year. We already kind of covered the, the L.A. Gun stuff with you. But then right after that, right after we had you on, Adam, you didn't even give us a hint of this. This Blackbird Angels record comes out with Tracy, Todd Kearns, Sam Bam Colton, who's like you, is in every single record. Can you tell us a little bit about like how that came about and that, that whole record? Because it made my top 10 lists for last year. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, that that was something that Tracy had been talking to me about for years. And he's he said, we're going to do, I want to do a record with Todd Kearns. And I'm like, Todd Kearns, you mean the bass player from Slash's band? And he goes, yeah. He goes, wait till you get in, get into him and meet him and, and see how. His how voice. It is. Yeah. No idea. I had no idea. So once I did a deep dive and I checked him out, I'm like, whoa, I get it. I totally get it. Um, and Todd didn't even play bass on the record. Tracy right, ended up right. playing yeah. on the record and I played drums and, uh, I didn't even have to mix it. So I, it was easy. And it was really interesting, though, because we were going to do an L.A. Guns record um, and we started or a uh, uh, Blackbird's Angels record. But then once we started writing songs and recording for that, all of a sudden that the pipe came down the pipeline that they wanted us to do another L.A. Guns record. So Tracy actually took a lot of those songs we were working on and shifted them over and said, we'll just use these for this and have Phil sing on them and kind of plugged them into that whole, that's why that, that's why that album sounds so different than the rest. I don't know if people would say it sounds that much different, but it, to me, it sounds a lot different than the one before because that's what happened. And um, so it was an interesting record to make. It was very confusing and convoluted because I had all these songs <laughs> with working titles. And, I, and finally I got to the point where I said, We've got to we've got to like come up with working titles because I have to be able to keep up with this stuff because there's usually so much going on and stuff and uh, 
so we kind of came up with a better system, but that was, I was like going, wait a minute, where's this session? Wait, is this for the Todd Kearns or is this for LA guns? And it was just a, a real, it was a real headache for me. And thank God I didn't have to mix it because it would have been even more of a headache. Um, I just got to sh give them the file. You just played. You just played on yeah. it. No, no studio yeah. stuff. But I, but I field all the, the, I'm the home base. Even if I'm not going to mix it, I still, Tracy does his parts. Todd does, they all send them to me. So I field it all and I have to keep it all together and keep up with it and keep it in order. Um, and usually do rough mixes for everybody to hear for like progress mixes and stuff like that. But it, I was just blown away. I had no idea. It was one of those things that just turned into something really great. And I wish we had, we had had the chance to play out, but you know, it just really was, is it practical? There's just, just no way to do it without money. And, and, you know, there's just not a big, a big enough audience, even though the people that did love it, love it. it just, it's just, it is what it is, you know. It, it's really a super group. Cause again, you have Sam Colton who plays in faster pussycat and much yeah. other things. You've got you who you're involved in a million different things, inclu including LA guns. You've got Tracy who must be, he must be sitting down on the toilet and just songs are coming out now because you know with LA guns with this, he just, that the record with Jack Russell just came out. He's still yeah. doing stuff with Michael sweet. Like, I mean, yeah. We what, just what is going together. on with that guy? Yeah. He's just, he just always says yes, you know, and, and that, <laughs> that'll keep you busy, man. He says yes to everything. I, I literally was doing a mixing a record right before Christmas with a Christmas record, a Christmas rock record. And, and the label goes, you're, are you working with Tracy? And I'm like, yeah, I've got him on the, on text right now. And they're like, see if he wants to play a couple of solos on this. And I would just literally go, I got a, another project for you. And <laughs> I'm sending you a mix. And two hours later, he sends me solos back for him. So he just always says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he loves to do. So he's going to say yes to everything, you know. He just seems to be having, I don't want to say career renaissance, but just a lot of fun and very inspired. Yep. Yep. He's just having fun playing on anything and everything. And, and I mean, we just played on this guy, this, this actor named Nathan Brown is, is getting into music and did something. And it almost sounds like totally 1980s uh, pop. And Tracy played this clean guitar parts that almost sound like echo and the Bunnymen stuff. And I'm like, I've never heard him do anything like that before, but he, he's just great. He loves the challenge and he loves putting on a different hat and, you know, he's like me. We just love different types of music and appreciate different things. And it's it's fun to do a session and try to sound like something else for a day, you know. Will there be uh, uh, any uh, Blackbird Angels show or shows or? No, uh... there's just there's just no way. There's just no way. I mean, it's hard enough for L.A. Guns to go out and, and take a band out and get the kind of guarantees you need and pay for all the expenses and make it worthwhile money wise, mm -hmm. you know. And then you talk about, you know, something that's not, you're not able to get close to those guarantees and it's just not worth it. You yeah. Know? Even for just like a one-off or something or something. I mean, it would take or... so much, so much time, energy yeah. away from everything everybody's doing right. and money to put it together. Yeah. You know, and then how many people are really going to show up, you right. know? Yeah. Like, I get like it. most of the people that like it, that Blackbird Angels are actually in, in Italy because that's where Frontiers, the label is. And that's where it got oh, really? the biggest. Yeah, so like we have these kids that that do a Blackbird Angels site on Instagram, a fan site, and just a bunch of Italian kids, you know. So <laughs> unless you're going to go over there and do a show for them, you know, I don't know. I just don't think it's you know 
and getting Sam away from everything he's doing would be right. like, good luck. He's the <laughs> well, all you work. guys are busy. I mean, Adam, you've got a million projects. If you're not playing, you're engineering or producing. Sam's in 15 bands. Tracy's in 15 bands. Todd's yeah. got, you know, he's got the the Miles Slash with Miles Kennedy. And so I think he's got another band or he does a solo yeah. band or something. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everybody's very busy. So it's it's kind of hard to drop everything or put it on the calendar and say, OK, I'm not going to do all this. You know, it's got to make sense mm-hmm. in every way, you know. And I started listening yesterday. Brian, check it out. The the Jack Russell, Tracy Guns record. It sounds pretty good what I've heard so far, but I have not had a chance to to deep dive it yet. Yeah, I've only heard the, so- the songs that Tracy produces. And so I don't know. But yeah, man, just staying busy, 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 busy. What else you got going on though, Adam? Like what, you know, what, what other big projects or things are, are, should we expect from you? Uh, I'm doing a really strange project right now. I'm starting to produce a, a Engelbert Humperdinck album. Isn't that funny? He's still alive. Engelbert Humperdinck. Wow. Yeah. He's still alive and he wants to make a record. And so we've started working on songs for that and he still sounds great. Um, so I'm working on love songs for Engelbert right now and doing i just did a bunch of music for tv and film and and uh i just did music composed music for a trailer for a new music um a music movie about uh brian epstein and his days of discovering the the managing the beatles so i did the music cool and uh just staying busy man that's that's the that's the thing you know you never know what what it's going to be i did uh i did i mu- did music for a tv show called i crime with um uh what's her name i can't think of that journalist's name that lady i'm drawing a complete blank um anyway it aired last season we got another season added now so we're doing our second season of that and that's one of those half hour reality show shows about uh crimes that are all filmed on iphones and stuff and how it's been how they're being solved because everybody's got a camera and stuff interesting so that, I'm, I'm not familiar with that i'm, I'm not to look into what that is yeah it's called i crime with uh what is her name um i'm sorry I'm probably a, I'm use, bad, the old, use google here yeah i'm a bad promo guy um what is her name i'm gonna i'm also an come old, on promote your own work i'm an old, <laughs> I'm an old dude who can't think of anything anymore um what is it called uh i crime let's google it elizabeth vargas elizabeth vargas thank you um yes so that's me doing all that and writing the theme for it and uh we got a second season for that which is great so hopefully we'll get another season next fall for that um and yeah, man, I just I just get a call, get strange calls every day about different doing different stuff, and I do the same thing. Is I just try to say yes to as as uh, everything that I can. Um, I just I am not so much uh, I'm I'm more about that stuff these days than I am sitting in a room with a band and producing an album. You know, those days were fun, but I I I just can uh, I don't know my lanes just kind of narrowed down a little bit. And now it's more about that kind of stuff. You know, which you, I did because I'm lazy and I can work less <laughs> and get it's still a good and, paycheck. Work less yeah, with a good paycheck. You know, as opposed to going in the studio for eight hours a day with a band and you know, the 
that's 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 the young man's game. That's not my gig anymore. Uh, I don't have the patience, and I don't. You've got two people. dogs, a daughter. I mean, come on. Yeah, dude. You know, I I am. I, you know, I'm a, I'm an old lazy curmudgeon now. I'm just like, how little can I work? Tell me. Um, and that's the good thing about that's the, the the greatest blessing about doing music for TV and film is that through ASCAP, uh, they track royalties and it keeps airing on TV and. You know, I did a song for the Boy and Identity back in 2002, and it's still airing and will always air on TV and movie channels. And so all these other movies and TV shows that, that go into syndication and keep airing and they air around the world, you know. So thank God for that, um, because other than that, I'd have to get a real job and then I really would be miserable. So <laughs> do you get do you get like bands and artists sending you stuff that you, that you just could never get to or? Well, Seeking out your production or, you know, every once in a while I'll have, I'll have something that, you know, will I'll get an email or something for some, from somebody less and less as time goes on now, but I, it just takes so much time and energy mm. to work on songs with, with bands and young artists and stuff like that. Um, that's a tough gig, man. You have to give so much of yourself. Uh, you have to be a cheerleader and a psychologist and a songwriter and a, song doctor and, and a producer and an engineer and possibly you know it, it 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 you feel like you ran a marathon after every session that i you know sadly but gladly i'm kind of enjoying working by myself these days mm -hmm. more than anything i get a lot of satisfaction from that from going okay or, and i do a lot of drum sessions too so it's fun to just go in and go okay i got to cut a drum track or two drum tracks make it sound great then i get to listen back and crank it up and Oh yeah. And then I send it and go, that felt really good. I feel really good about that. You know, I played better the day before, but it feels good to do that. And the same with, with the composing stuff, you just get such immediate gratification from that. And it's just all I, I can do it in my pajamas. I don't have to entertain anybody else or have anybody there. And every once in a while, I'll have a session with somebody really fun and interesting, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to be as picky and choosy as I can about those things. And just, I just kind of, I'm a solo guy these days and it feels nice to be able to have a career to do that, you know, and not have to rely on other people that much, you know. When you do these TV and film gigs, do people leave you to kind of come up with stuff on your own? Do they give you an idea? How does that work? Well, you know, I always thought that when I got the chance to do that, it was going to be like, hey, we want you to do this and do your magic, you know, and you just watch the TV and you just start writing and then as I started getting into it, I started to realize that even people like Danny Elfman and Trent Reznor, who are the the, the, the best of the best, uh, they all have meetings with the creatives and the creatives who are making the movie always temp music in. They always use temporary music. And they always say, I have a good idea of what we're looking for. We want this to sound really dark and really minimal and really spooky, or I want it to sound like a a Western and I want it to sound old school and ragtime piano. So the good news is, is they make your job a lot easier by having temporary music. That said, a lot of these times when they tempt music in, they become so married to that, that they're like, you're like, okay, we'll just use your temporary music because you like that so much and you're so attached to it. So it can be, it can be a, an interesting dynamic trying to, figure that out and trying to do something that they fall in love with even more than what they've tempted in. 
So it can be tricky, but the good news is, is usually you've got a pretty good roadmap to follow. And they'll say, this is what we have. You know, we were using this song. We obviously couldn't get clearance from, you know, Neil Diamond to use it, but we want something that gives us that feeling. And so it's challenging, but it's less challenging when you have, uh, you know, uh, and they have a good idea. And, and it also helps when you have people who know something about music or enough about, uh, are then willing to trust you enough to let you, uh, you know, do your thing and, and them not uh, uh, micromanage you or needle or needle you for every little thing. And, it, and I've experienced all of the above from, from, you know, a friend of mine is a VP over at the a trailer company and had me do music for that, that, um, Brian Epstein, and and I literally turned in the cue, and they're like, "Great, it's amazing. How how did you do it so quick? You're amazing." And I'm just like, "God bless you, thank you. You just made my job <laughs> so easy, you know." And that's the night. That's when it goes nice and well. Uh, not even a mix uh, tweak, you know. Just like here's the rough mix, and they just they just loved it. It it was just like. All the, all this, everything came together and it was quiet. And then again, you might do something and they're like, can you take the horns down to BD and could you replace the tubas with the trumpet? And, and I get it. You know, everybody has their own artistic vision and everything, but I, you know, like I say, I'm lazy. If you can make my job easier, I'm going <laughs> to love you a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, um, it's like I got a, I got a 12 year old. I'm, I'm literally, she wants me to go swimming. How can we wrap yeah. this up? Yeah, right. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, being just, a dad, you, you know how it is. Well, when you work so much of our lives, like all of us have, like you, yeah. you, you're, I don't know. Like you just don't want to do 10, to, like you want to work the least amount with the most effective Yeah, man, stuff we have lives now. You know, I used, when I did music, I had music and it was my obsession. You know, I didn't have a family, didn't have a, you know, I, my girlfriend can, can wait. Uh, I would work two days straight on something, you know, in your twenties, you're crazy. You now it's like, man, I love my wife and my family and my kid and my dogs. I want to go swimming, hang out. I want to go to the beach. You know, that's, that's. And yeah. sleep. Sleep is yes. nice. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a full life now. So yeah, exactly. I used to not care about sleep when I was younger. Now I like, I like to get sleep. Yeah. Not me. I would sleep for like 13, 14 hours straight, but although that was probably passing out and coming. Through, <laughs> well, that was your, you know. Different lifestyle. Yeah, but we won't get into that. But uh, yeah, man, got to get got to get some rest. Very important. Very important, especially when you have kids and dogs. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Well, Brian, should we do some lightning stuff with Adam before we send him on his way? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You want some stupid questions, Adam? I don't think we had a chance to do this with you last time you're on because we had a very short window because you you had some projects you were working on. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Stupid questions. Okay. Junk food. What's your go-to junk food? Oh my God. What do you, what do you got? Anything. <laughs> Snickers. Um, You're a candy guy, not chips. Uh, both. Dude, Krispy Kreme donuts. I am a, a junk food, sweet tooth fanatic. You're, you're making a cake. I'm like, what time can I come over? <laughs> <laughs> so anything sweet, that's it. Anything. Cho- chocolate is this is, will be my downfall. If I had said, what's your favorite candy bar? Do you have one? You know, I mean, Hershey bars are great. Ch- uh, Snickers, all the all the Mars bars, all the uh, the good old uh, staples are great. Then again, 
if you want to get fancy, you know, you can take it up a notch and go like, you know, uh, what is those Rochelle, um, uh, those, those, uh, oh, what are those things called? I got some for Christmas in my stocking. Any, any, all the ones in like the foils, individual oh, foils. And yeah, all that, like, those are oh, yeah. so good, man. Oh, I love those. I, I, I'm, I just, I have no, I don't have a shut off valve. I mean, I'm just like, go for it. My wife's like, dude, you had to chill. You're, you're going to become a diabetic. Come on. So real quick side note, when you mentioned Mars, every time you buy a Mars bar, you put a little more money in Warren, Dar Warren Demartini's pocket. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> man, Mars have, air. <laughs> wouldn't that be great to have, you know, all the candy you can eat and a fortune to, you know, from the Mars family. That'd be yeah. great. And you don't You've have to got go the back. candy bar and the rat fortune. Yeah. And, and, you're a and you don't star. have to go back to rat. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, that's, I signed me up. That sounds fantastic uh pop tart what is the greatest flavor of pop tart two there's two of them the okay. the chocolate ones with the white in the middle and the white like ice the s'mores top. one Not or the is that different one, just the chocolate ones with the white in the middle and okay. the the ones that are cinnamon uh the, oh the cinnamon brown sugar cinnamon brown sugar yeah i mean dude but i have to break off the edges because there's too much uh chalky um like just too much dough I got to get right to the, yeah. My wife loves like the cake part. I like the icing. So if it doesn't have the right amount, amount, I will literally, she'll bake a cake and I'll get her to get two icings. And Mike, whenever I have a cake, I'll put more icing on. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a dangerous slippery slope with it all. Yeah. You are, you are heading towards diabetes, man. I'm telling you, and I'm a slim guy. So, you know, I, I think I can get away with it, you know, but it's like, no, 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 no. You're fooling yourself, my friend. It's cheesecake cake. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I'm I am all about. I have a sweet tooth that, that's that's vicious. I liked on the pop tart question. You didn't have to think about it. Like, oh, I know. You just Brian. He came ready immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to keep. I can't even keep them in the house. It's just ridiculous. What was your favorite breakfast cereal growing up? Um, I liked. Uh, was it Apple Jacks? Uh, I liked the uh, Apple Jacks were good. That was pretty much my favorite. I think I kind of was a was a, uh, I kind of stuck to that. Or uh, what were those uh, apple ones? Yeah, I think those are apple jacks. Yeah, that was my favorite. Apple jacks. That's a if solid we, choice. Yeah, and uh, rice krispies were good too. Yeah, just the plain ones, or like I mean, they had a billion different flavors. Nah, just 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 classic ones because my my mom would make the rice krispie treats, and that's like ah oh, the best. Did you ever have rice krispie treat cereal? I don't think I have. That's interesting. I, I think I heard about it, but I don't know it. When it first came out, Brian, I don't know if you had that either. When it first came out, I don't know if it was like the late 80s or whatever. It literally tasted like somebody made Rice Krispie treats and then broke them pieces. Now it doesn't taste like that anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. Not that I mean a lot of sugary cereals, but you know. Yep. I, every good. once in a while, I got to go peanut butter, Captain Crunch. Yeah, there you go. Can't lose with that. Can't lose with that. Brian, what was your, we've talked about cereal before. What was your go-to? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon there Toast Crunch is right. Yeah. That's a good That's one. a good one too. Man, it's cl classics. The classics. <laughs> Were the 80s the best decade of sitcom themes? Sitcom themes. I don't know, man. The 70s, there's some pretty iconic themes going on. I mean, me and my wife talk about MASH all the time and that meme's going around like, what a sitcom theme. The minute MASH comes on, you know, it's like time for bed. 
It's 10 o'clock at night. All the kids are like, MASH is on. Plus, you didn't want to watch MASH as a kid. I never really got into MASH. I know people no, like it, it. Was, it seemed too depressing. So depressing. It was so, so like, all right, time to go to bed. But yeah, 70s and 80s, man, they had some good ones. Then again, the 90s, there were a couple of, of good themes, you know. So there were some good ones. There's been some great themes for sure. I, I miss the 80s because I think that was the decade where a lot of the stars of the show would write or, or sing or just sing the theme yeah. song. Yeah. I just learned the other day that one of my favorite theme songs from Sanford and Son was Quincy Jones wrote that. Had really? No had no that, idea. That's the best theme song of a TV Come show on. ever. That and one Simon the, and Simon, as far as our genre greatest, that we talk about. Man, one of the greatest pieces of music ever written. Quincy Jones is, man, he's, he's, he's my hero these days. That's what I want to be like. Just huge TV movie movies, music, albums, doing everything, and just just so talented, man. I didn't even know that he worked with Frank Frank Sinatra until I became like a huge Sinatra fan years ago. So crazy. Alan Thick wrote and sang a bunch of theme songs as well. I know, I know. He was incredibly talented as well. I used to see where his son got his music from because his dad was doing all these theme yep. songs. Yep, absolutely. He probably made more money. Well, I don't know about that. He probably made almost the equal amount of money writing those songs as he did acting and a lot of stuff. Yeah, he very well might have. Very well. It's crazy. <laughs> ah, I, I miss the 80s. I miss it. Would the 80s the best decade of just pure music or just how about pop culture? Would you say the 80s have had the biggest impact of pop culture on, you know, our generation or the gener people living now? Probably so. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I love though that Pat Smear, his, his great thing was if, if you remember the eighties, you probably weren't there <laughs> because <laughs> everybody was just, it was just dec decadence and partying and crazy. And it really was, man. It really was. It was a crazy time. I mean, my kids who are 18 and, and 20 love 80s stuff still, oh, you know, yeah. we're still listening to 80s music, watching 80s movies. It's still yeah. a big thing. Yeah, we had an 80s. My kid had a roll, a 80s roller skating where we all dressed up in the 80s and skated the 80s music. It's, it's, oh, my God. Yeah, it's so much fun, man. Roller parties, roller rinks and school. Rink. But yep. They don't do that anymore. No, nope. good luck trying to find a roller rink around here these days, man. It, we used to go to those like they would always have for like elementary or whatever roller parties. And anytime Come On, Feel the Noise came on. Oh. You, I would get yeah. fired up and just go as fast <laughs> as I could around the skating rink. <laughs> of course, of course you would. <laughs> just to be the song, it would just get me fired up, man. Oh man, you start breaking stuff. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to Pat Smiro fast. Yeah, linking him back to the Go Go's. He he was he was in the Germs with Belinda Carlisle or something, right? Originally, she was playing drums. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was part of one of the, the original uh, 70s LA, L.A. punks, man. Absolutely. Because you do a lot of music for film and TV, do you focus on that stuff when you're watching like an Oppenheimer or, you know, Maestro? Like, is that is that a conscious thing for you? No, thank God, because for a while there it was, and I would just be analyzing every piece of music. And then I heard a great composer say one time, he said, uh, a great music for film or for TV is happening and you don't even realize it's happening. And I watched Oppenheimer and Dawn asked me, my wife, she goes, well, was the sound, was the score good to that? And I said, I don't remember a note of it. And I go, I guess it was great. 
because I don't even remember any of it happening. I don't even remember, but it was one of the best movies I've seen in years. So, you know, thank God I can, I, I don't know if I kind of turn that off or that just turns itself off, but I don't so much, so much do that. But I definitely notice when something rubs me wrong and I'm like, Ugh, that's terrible. What, <laughs> what are they thinking using that cue? You know, we hear that all the time uh, on TV and film. Um, but yeah, it makes you appreciate when that when when the music and the marriage of picture and, and music happens great is it happens so great that it just becomes one and you don't even really notice it, you know. Kind of like it just drives that emotional feel from the background, but without you having to just it just beat you it, over the head with it. Exactly. Exactly. It just marries in and, and helps the emotional uh, frame it emotionally, you know. Absolutely. Give us your three favorite soundtracks. Uh, Pretty in Pink from the eighties. Wow, that's tough. Speaking about new uh, new wave music, right yeah. there. Oh yeah, um, that that's great. Um, God, my my sister loved loved Luth. loved Andrew McCarthy. We watched that oh. movie a billion times. Of course, who doesn't? Uh, the Pretty uh, F Footloose soundtrack is incredible. Uh, Top Gun soundtrack is incredible. All all mines go back to the eighties. So that's, see, that was my go. point. There you go. Uh, Iron Eagle, great soundtrack. Yeah. Not always a great movie. What is? Tell me this. Give me an example of a movie where the soundtrack is much better than the movie. Much better. Mm, I don't know. I can't think of of one uh, off the top of my head. Saint Elmo's Fire for me. I hate that movie. Every character, yeah. every character is irredeemable, and the soundtrack rocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny, man. Too funny. Think about it. Everybody, no, not one character in that movie is a good person. I ha I haven't seen that movie in so long. That's one I'm going to have to revisit. Well, okay. I'll tell you what. If you do revisit and see it, send me a note. Let me know if you if you're like <laughs> me and you believe that there is not a good character in that movie, and they're they're not good for different reasons. Yeah. Wasn't I there have. the King Cobra song on the Iron Eagle soundtrack? Heck yeah, there, of course there's King Cobra. Some of the guys in the Bullet Boys used to be in Rainbow. King Cobra. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's too good. And, and yeah. I, listen, you can't make a movie like that now, like you could in the 80s, where it's all about this high school kid whose dad sneaks him up in Air Force planes, and he can only fly, listen to rock music, and then they steal and fly to another country and take on a whole other country. It's Yeah. <laughs> It's just a little too far-fetched these days. It's just, but in the 80s, we ate that shit up. We're like, we accept this to be reality. Yeah, we still had an imagination back then. I don't, I don't think, we didn't have the internet around to ruin everything. Exactly. I don't, I don't think exactly. Space Camp had a had a soundtrack, speaking of yeah. far-fetched movies. Yeah, oh. that's too funny, man. That's a great movie. I, I had such a crush on Leah Thompson when I was yeah. younger. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Her and Kelly Preston were both in that movie. Yep, yep. That's crazy. It, Kelly Preston dead now? She passed away? She died of yeah, breast cancer a few years so back. Weird. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird Like to, to, be, to be at this age where I look back at, at all the people I grew up loving and, ha and so many of them are gone now. It's like, what? Like, how is that possible? Or you How's see what possible? their ages are and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy, man. It's like, who would have thought you would have, we would have outlived all those people? It's wild. Well, the one thing our parents have never told us is like, no matter how old you get, your mind, you still kind of stay immature and stuff, but, well, yeah. but outwardly, like you're mature. Yeah, exactly. You never lose that kid. Hopefully you don't. No, you never lose that feeling, kid. Kind of feeling young. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a weird, it's a weird, got it dichotomy where your brain yeah. is once they thinks you're younger than you're not, but your body is not. And like you have kids or other responsibilities, you can't go out act like a fool anymore either. Yeah, I know. I guess that's what wisdom is, is, is learning how to make those right decisions that think about the big picture now and not uh, just doing what we want to do right when we want to do it and getting into trouble because of it. And speaking of doing what we want to do right where we want to do it, I'm going to leave you with one last question here. If you could work for any director, producer, film series, TV series, your choice, who would you choose? What would you choose? To like do a score for? Yeah. Yeah. To do the music for. Yep. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I can't even pick one. Um because there's just so many. I mean, I could have years ago, I would have said um, something more like dark and like Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that. But that kind of stuff, I just, that's just not where my head is at these days. I would have to have something. Um, the the stuff that I love writing is stuff that makes me feel good and that makes other uplifts other people now. Um, so it would have to be something uplifting and positive. Um you need like a Nickelodeon show or a Disney show. Oh yeah, I don't know something something fun and positive. What about Muppets? What about, like the Muppets are always doing stuff. Well, and you talked about M. Nodder's Brown Jug Band. Listen, Christmas. man, um, what's his name? He, he how can you top what he did with um, Paul Williams, the president of ASCAP, my my uh, writer, pu the publisher, um, my um, what's it called? PRO. He wrote. The, all the music for the Emmett Otter movie. Um, and did he the, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he did the whole soundtrack. He wrote all those songs for that Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. And I just am like, mic drop, game over. How could I ever do anything? You can never top that. That good, man. He's just, he's one of my favorite songwriters too. I don't know. As far as the Muppets, I don't think you're ever going to top deck Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem doing Can You no. Picture That? No, I know, I know. So that's probably you know just uh, uh, in a, in a in a dream sense, dreaming about something. But is, is yeah, Animal a good drummer? Animal a good drummer, man. You know, I don't know about technique, but he brings the energy, and that's all that matters. I mean, you know, River Bottom Nightmare Band. I know I would almost think that Snake, the bass player, has maybe a better player, but man, they were great, Chuck the keyboard player i mean that that that's one of my favorite songs ever river bottom nightmare band i mean hey they won the talent show sorry to give away the ending but you know <laughs> if you don't know the muppets from the 80s the uh it's dr teeth yeah if you don't know that man you got to go back and you got to get into that i mean we watched that so many times uh, over christmas holidays my little girl's like stop playing it stop <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so what i hear when i ask you this question now is if jim jim henson studios comes up to you you yeah. gladly work with those guys oh yeah I, I i need i need to do stuff that's fun and uplifting nowadays and i'm tired of i'm not i'm tired of writing dark and mysterious and all that stuff i need to live in the sunshine these days keep it light you know that's the stuff that i love writing when they when you say when somebody says this needs to be like uplifting and and emotional and and inspiring i'm like dude that's that's what i'm all about you know, let, let me at it that's what, what i'm feeling what would it sound like if you and ace did some music because he's a big horror, horror film guy <laughs> i mean it could be fun you know the problem is is doing stuff now is is uh doing i just did some dark stuff last year some like some uh stuff for uh 
Universal Studios horror. Uh, oh, Horror Nights. Yeah, Horror Nights. And, you know, it was fun doing like really dark, scary, fun, fun stuff. It, you definitely got it all out. But uh, it's just such a it's such a wide thing. It's like, where do you even start? You, you really have to I, I'd really have to get some direction and say, OK, where what are we talking? Let's narrow down <laughs> what's what's your what you, you want us to do, you know, but it sure would be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I lied to you. I do have one other question now because right. he brought up Ace. So Ace got a chance to work on Tiffany's last album, which is a very yeah. raw like I actually legitimately enjoy that it's record. Great. It's yeah, right. And she covered yeah. a rival's son song too and did a yeah. good job. She's amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you could work like from a pop artist from the 80s, and I know yeah. you, you did, you know, like something like that. You know, there's Debbie Gibson, there's all these people. Yeah. Who would you choose to make a rock record with that was like from an 80s pop perspective? Well, there's only one artist that I really ever didn't get a chance to work with that I wanted to, and that was Stevie Nicks. But oh. I would love, but I, I got to, to work with so many of the 80s pop people that i got I, I checked off all those boxes like like terry nanoberlin terry nanoberlin i worked yeah. with her, dale bozio for missing persons and i got to work with with so many of them that i loved that but stevie nicks was the one that i never got to work with that i was like she would i would love to write a song with before stevie nicks with her that would be would preferably be that was my that's my only bucket list Brian, my my thought was, and Adam, for you, is I thought Taylor Dane could do a killer rock yes. song. She had that voice. She's amazing. Oh, she was amazing. Totally amazing. How she wasn't bigger, I don't know, because she was a better singer than Madonna a lot. I mean, she, of course, she didn't have the presence or personality, but that voice. Yeah, she was amazing. So soulful and powerful. Absolutely. All right. We've kept you long enough. You know, we you know you want to get about your day and have, you know, rest and not have these dudes from a Southern Rock and Blues podcast <laughs> harass you too long. But where do our listeners go to find more about what's going on with you and your projects? Oh, man. You know, I, I used to update my website. I don't really anymore. I'm so kind of not really that much of a social media guy. I'll post something every once in a while, but I get in trouble for posting stuff because really. I yeah, I get a call to work with somebody and I go on and I'm like, guess who I'm going to work with? And then all of a sudden the label will call and be like, take that post down, you know, or it's uh, right. so I just I it, it's kind of made me gun shy about posting stuff now until it's already done. But, you know, my Instagram, Adam Hamilton or or Twitter, Adam Hamilton one on there. Um, that's where I'd say it's probably the best place to keep keep up to date. But uh yeah, I don't do a lot too a lot of posting. I, I just I'm tired of getting in trouble. So I'll just they're like, we want our, our PR people to do a press release. And I'm like, okay, sorry. Sorry for getting excited, you know. Sorry for helping you guys out a little bit yeah. with Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So why, why market? <laughs> well, Brian, it sounds like one of these avenues now we're gonna have to have is this checking in with Adam Hamilton Adam Hamilton a couple times a year now. Sounds great to me. Yeah, man. I love, <laughs> sounds I, love good to you. I love chatting with you guys anytime. We get to talk about new wave music, right, Brian? Yeah. So thank you so much to the man who wears many hats, too many to uh, put you in one category. So thank you so much, Adam Hamilton, coming and uh, visiting with us again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's great to talk with you guys. Have a good rest of the week. Stay warm if you can. Thank you so much for Adam Hamilton for joining us again. That was a great uh, uh, conversation. We uh, kind of get off the beaten path of what we usually talk about, which is kind of kind of nice. Take a break from our usual genre and just talk about whatever. 
Yeah. Um, and again, I'm going to thank you for kind of, you know, I had a day off. I know Adam only has can do stuff during the day and I thought it would be a fun chance to catch back up with him and just shoot the shit with somebody with really no purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I've been wanting to do these, like, just, you know, talking about what, whatever that was be like, maybe we call it checking in, checking in with, you know, whoever, just yeah. talk about whatever. There's no topic. There, there's yeah. Nothing, nothing to plug. Just see how you're doing. What's going on, man. That's basically. Only thing I want to talk to him about was Blackbird Angels, that record, because I really yeah. liked it. It was yeah. funny. We got into new wave music. You know, mm -hmm. you start talking about the crow. Like it was just, it's sometimes it's just fun. Just like when you go to meet up with friends and get lunch with them, just to chat about whatever's going on in your lives. Yeah. And he confirmed that Animal's a good drummer. <laughs> I mean, where, where else are you going to go to get some, <laughs> some real music critiques of the Muppets? Yeah, man. God, he works with some, I, you know, I, I know he worked with a lot of people, but it's just, it's just crazy. Like how many, well, we got the Shatner stuff last time he was on. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. He... Yeah. And he knows Jamie St. James and Tommy Thayer and works with these eighties bands. And I love people like Adam and, you know, we've talked to a lot of people like the, you know, the Greg Martin, like who work and do stuff with so many people. Like there are always stories and things to learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't know that, um missing persons was that like zappa's band for a while no like, no what? i never knew that so now i'm gonna that. have to get on the internet and look this stuff up now like i want to listen to missing persons because i'm sure i only know what they had on the radio yeah yeah there's a there's a couple songs but uh yeah i'm like you know like i, I was serious like the new wave stuff all of a sudden like i, I was really never into it in the 80s like i've got mm -hmm. on like this new kick and i'm reading this going to be reading this book about new wave music and like yeah, it's good, man. It just, it's, it's nice. Anybody listening, I know we do a blues and Southern rock, but Brian and I have a very vast wide interest in music and that's everybody should. Yeah. So, well, well, once again, yeah, it's, it's cool to do these. This has made me think about like everything in 1981 when ACDC came out with back in black and you shook me all night long was released first, but like before that, everything was pretty poppy and pretty, you know, but then there's that period of time in between that and like 1983 where I just remember, man, my favorite song used to be Come On Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners. Great song. One of the yeah. greatest one hit wonder songs of all time. Top yeah. five. Yeah. You know, and they probably played that at skating parties. <laughs> I didn't roller skate that much. Uh, it was this is kind of like a return to the 80s almost type of discussion. Yeah, well, as a free spirited time, I mean, as far like that was my teenage years in the eighties, and I can't really complain about that. You know, hey, going back to the Black Crows real fast yeah. before we log off, um, the new single. I do like the new single, but if somebody like Adam Hamilton, who's a really freaking good drummer, like you listen to those last L.A. Guns records or this Blackbird, he mm -hmm. he's got some bottom to him, like some power yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It would. I just wonder what somebody like him of his caliber could do with the music yeah yeah i do too um i mean i've i well just last night i sent joe from the steepwater band video of uh i think it was in philadelphia um crows doing jealous again and uh remedy with the cully simmington and i hope they keep that guy because he he's he sounds like he's he seems got to have a little, a little bit more, more a little more yeah. swing a little more human kind of thing to it um and either way, the guy person was filming on her phone is like, had you get to see him right there. So, yeah, I hope, uh, if you know, I hope they keep him and 
uh, the keyboard guy. I mean, I'm sure drummers make a big difference, guy. you know, unless they went in the studio with, um, I don't remember who, who ended up, was it Brian, Brian Griffin? Brian Griffin? And just said, stay in the pocket and just like, don't yeah, do anything. I'm sure that's what it was. Just keep the time. Let's, you know. Yeah. It but it be. is, I like the track. It's got a yeah. good hook, but the yeah. drumming is noticeably vanilla. Yeah. And like I said, like I, I always liked, it sounds like by your side and I always liked by your side. I never thought yeah. of it as a huge departure as far as the crows. It was departure from what they were doing right before, but not, you know, I never went, what, what is this? You know, I mean, so yeah, it's a good tune. Yep. Hey, I went back and listened to By Your Side after our conversation with David, you know, talking about the new Crows stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll tell you, Brian, I'm going to admit this. Go tell the congregation why not one of the greatest songs. It's not bad. I don't hate it. I've, I've always you know. liked that song. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I'll tell you, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Much better. People than... like Horsehead a lot off that record. Yeah. I'm not a big Horsehead fan. I oh, think really? Go tell the congregation is kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where like, I don't like Heavy or Diamond Ring. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think anybody likes Diamond Ring. I don't like Diamond Ring. Then she said, "My name is kind of campy a little yep. bit too, but it is. But it's got a big musically. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, go tell Diamond Ring sucks. Yeah, right. So Diamond Ring sucks, and always remember, uh, Southern Rock is rabbit, blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Don't you worry about figuring
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.